Well, today, our scripture reading comes from Isaiah 2, verses 1 to 5. This is from the lectionary. So listen for a word from God. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion go, shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, thank you for your word to us. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So hope. We begin our Advent journey with this candle of hope. And in Advent, we say we prepare ourselves to get ready to come close to the mystery of Christmas because it is such a great mystery that sometimes we get distracted and we walk right by it without noticing. So we need time to get ready, to really live into the mystery of God becoming flesh and coming in this baby named Jesus. So I wonder why we do start with hope. Today is New Year's Day within Christian circles. By the church calendar, we start at the beginning of Advent each year. So let's practice. Happy New Year! jumping the gun by the regular uh, calendar that many of us operate by, but this is the new year within the church calendar. And like many, many denominations and churches across the world, at Ford Street here, we follow the Revised Common Lectionary. As Jack mentioned, our scripture text reading from today came from the lectionary. And the lectionary is this three-year cycle of biblical texts that uh, are used for worship. And so every week we have a selection of passages that we preach from and read here in worship along with many other churches across the world. And today marks the beginning of year A, the first year of this three-year cycle. So we are on Advent 1 of year 1 of the new year 
by the Christian circle. And the text that Jack just read is the very first lectionary text of the day, Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. So imagine being on the committee of folks that decided how to set up this lectionary cycle, and you're sitting down at this table with the Bible open in front of you, and you say, okay, how are we going to start this thing off? Year one, Advent New Year, first text. And they chose this passage from Isaiah 2. Not Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, not John 3.16, for God so loved the world, but Isaiah chapter 2. In the time to come, all the people will come to the mountain of the Lord, and teaching and justice will flow down. The people will beat their weapons into plowshares and walk in the light of God. Week one of Advent, year A, the beginning of everything by the church calendar starts with hope. The lectionary has a message of hope. Our Advent wreath calls us to hope. We begin with hope. It's like the Spirit of God spoke to those people who were preparing what lectionary texts were and said, you know what they're going to need before they go to anything else? Hope. Start with a hope passage. I think this is a beautiful image of hope and of peace that's offered here. But it would have sounded just as far-fetched and ridiculous for the original hearers as it does for us today. The people of Jerusalem were in a time and a period and a place of intense conflict and constant warfare. And to imagine a scene of peace where all nations were working together would have seemed, quite honestly, ridiculous. Nations working together and transforming their tools of warfare into tools of gardening would have seemed far-fetched and ridiculous. We have looked at this promise of all nations coming together and thought that's more a vision of some kind of apocalypse or maybe even heaven, something far, far away and wishful. I think many Christians have done this in harmful ways over the years, missed the point of hopeful passages like this and of hope in general, and looked only to that far distant wish for what hope is. Something that happens at the end of everything, something that happens in heaven, something that exists after this world. I think many Christians have gotten it wrong over the years by only emphasizing the wishful after effect and not thinking about how hope can be acted out now. The message we sometimes get is, if you just believe the right things here on earth and hold on and get through this life, then you will get to see all of the things that you hope for in heaven. The problem is when you locate hope only in the far distant future, you become apathetic to the world here and now. 
I've heard some Christians comment on the issues of global warming and pollution and say, well, God is going to make all things new, and heaven is the place that I'm worried about. Not here. But what if we could act out hope now? What would that do to the world? That phrase that begins this passage says, in the days to come. And that's where many of us get this idea of a far away future. But actually, this is one of those great Hebrew words that's really hard to translate into English. And in days to come actually means something a little more like within the present, in the midst of now. It's not a phrase that's meant to signal the apocalypse or heaven or far, far away. In the midst of the present, people from all nations will come to the mountain of God and God's love will flow down and their weapons shall be transformed into gardening tools and they shall walk in the light. Yes, it's an image that seems far off, but when we know the power of the God who gives us hope, we can start to live into this reality here and now, even before the end of time. There's one theologian that likens this present future idea of hope with Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And he talks about how King didn't say those words in a hopeful way that was just holding on and imagining some kind of distant future. King spoke those hopeful words of a dream that he had while he was sowing the seeds for that hope and working toward it every single day. True hope is anticipating the future rooted in who God is and acting out that future rather than just waiting for it to show up. Hope means beating your sword into a plowshare even while war is still happening. There's this great uh, organization that you might have heard of called Raw Tools, and they literally do this. They take donated weapons, donated guns, and melt them down and cut them up and forge them and transform them into real tools used for gardening. They're inspired by this passage and by its twin passage in the book of Micah, and they do all kinds of uh, justice and peace uh, work, but this is one of them, to literally take weapons and form them into gardening tools. They even have a website you can purchase some of the gardening tools and hear some of the stories. It's fascinating. But through this organization, I, I heard about a story of one of these transformations of a weapon. And it was a man named Chris who donated his uh, semi-automatic semi rifle to the organization Raw Tools at the request of his wife who uh, asked for this for her birthday present. It's a genius way to, to inspire him to do it. But Chris had worked for a uh, construction company in the Middle East and they contracted with the US military. And so they were um, in uh, Afghanistan and as part of their work, they were required to have weapons. And so Chris had a semi-automatic rifle as part of this work and then when he finished his, uh, his work over in the Middle East, 
he still owned the gun, it was his, and so he brought it home with him to the United States. He had grown up with, with guns in his house and didn't really think too much of it, but realized as he watched his young daughter grow up that it didn't really fit his life or his home or his vision of what he wanted for his family. But he also didn't know what to do with it. He didn't want to sell it or to give it to someone, and he'd been watching news after some school shooting and thought, you know, I just don't even want this to be in the world anymore. So his wife found this organization, Raw Tools, and for her birthday asked that he give them this gun. So they did, and they forged it and made gardening tools with it. And he said, without even realizing it was a weight he'd been carrying, he felt lighter and optimistic. This organization, this is just one part of the work that they do, but it's so interesting because the director of this program, Mike, talks about what a little overall impact this has on the reality of guns themselves in the United States. They started this work in 2013, and as of last year, I think they had only um, disabled 1,000 or 1,200 uh, guns. And he said, you know, that is just a drop in the bucket of the 400 million guns in circulation in the United States alone. He said, but there's something that happens. When one family brings us their gun, we see a kind of hope kindled. He says, we affect change by making change in our own lives and compelling others to do the same. Our ultimate goal, he said, is to offer space for people to transform their trauma from something that brings death to something that brings life. That is hope. And I love that image, not just that something destructive would be destroyed, but that it would be transformed into something that is used to feed people. How Christian is that? a way for people to gather around food, to harvest, and to share. Hope is for the here and the now, and acting out hope is what makes God's kingdom more tangible rather than just waiting around for it to come. Think of one thing right now that you deeply, deeply hope for. Not just new car, beautiful sweater kind of hope, but something in your soul that you long for, for your friends or your family or the world. What would it look like for you to take one action as if that hope were already a reality? Not just a future wish. We need to let our hope burn. And we're going to go through a lot of it and use it. This is the hope candle from last year's Advent wreath. Look at how much hope we used last year. I love this because we need all the hope we can get and we need to kindle it with one another and share it. You know, I, uh, I always make a little to-do list for Sunday mornings at the top of my bulletin. 
There's a lot of little details to get together before the service, and I want to make sure that I remember all the things to meet with a certain liturgist or to set up a Sunday school material or whatever, and so I always make a little to-do list. And today I chuckled because the first thing on my Sunday morning to-do list for today was pre-light hope. Pre-light hope, meaning this candle. (laughs) Because sometimes, these are brand new candles, and as you know, sometimes when you try to light a new candle, the wick and the wax are kind of tangled together, and it's really difficult to do. So when we use candles in worship, I like to make sure that the wax is going to go where it needs to go and that it will work out so that when Tim comes up to light it, he's not fighting fire in front of one another, which, by the way, you should ask him. He has an Advent fire story. I'm going to put you on, throw you under the bus. Sorry, Tim. But thankfully, nothing fire disastrous happened today. But I like to pre-light candles before we use it. So I laughed when I saw this little note on my to-do list, pre-light hope. But isn't that our work for Advent? To prepare the way for the flame of Christ. To offer a light and to make way for God's Spirit in the mystery of Christmas. You know, some of us are really short on hope this holiday season. Some of us are in the midst of deep grief or sickness or loneliness or anxiety and know that if that's you, you are not alone. And part of the reason we light these candles in community every week is so that we can share our hope with one another, we can share our peace and our joy and our love with one another when we need it the most. So if this Advent season, all you can do is look at somebody else's hope light burning, that's okay. If you can pre-light the candle so it's ready for the flame of Christ, do that. And let us act out the things that we hope for so that God's kingdom can be felt all around us. Would you pray with me? God of hope, clear the path for ways that we might take steps of hope here and now. Not just wait for a future life, but to know, God, that you are with us now all the way through eternity. Prepare our hearts as we prepare for you. In Jesus' name, amen.